Today on Abounding Grace, what really matters in life is far different than what our culture would have us believe. Your life doesn't consist in what you have or what you don't have. We see so many today trying to get as much as they possibly can, as fast as they can. I haven't seen it very often, not lately, but years ago, there used to be a bumper sticker that said, he who dies with the most toys wins. That's not true. No, that's not true at all. The only thing that matters when you die is whether you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. That's going to determine your eternal destiny. Your decision you make today in this life determines your eternal life for all of eternity. And that's this is not to accomplish, not to, uh, to accumulate, but to trust. This is amazing grace. Get as much as you can, as fast as you can. Now, some would say that's living. But today on Abounding Grace, we discover we need to be content and satisfied with who we are, what we have, and where God has us. So if you struggle with discontentment or covetousness, you'll want to keep listening. We'll meet you in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor with part one of The Joy of Generosity. Hebrews chapter 13, we're going to pick up where we left off last time in verse 5 in a Bible study that I have, I've entitled, The Joy of Generosity. The Joy of Generosity. Notice verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me. Now, when you study any of the letters written by Paul the Apostle, letters like Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and what I believe he's the author of Hebrews, you'll notice that he follows a predictable pattern. In his letters, he'll spend the first half of his letter laying down the theological framework of the character and nature of God. He'll reveal it in such a way where you understand who God is and what he desires in our lives. Then in the second half of the letter, he'll then give you the application. He'll tell you how to respond to what you've learned about God. And that's the same here in Hebrews, although it's far more than half. As we come to chapter 13, he's giving us the application to a group of Hebrew Christians that were drifting away, doubting God's word, dealing with all of the trials and tribulations of a commitment to follow Christ. The theological, biblical foundation of Hebrews is the superiority of Christ. That, that's what will help you when you're struggling is to get your eyes back on Jesus Christ and to understand who he is. Why? Because Paul follows this pattern, and any good teacher will as well, because what you believe will dictate how you behave. What you believe will dictate how you behave. That's why the enemy is always wanting you to believe a lie and wanting you to have some distorted view of who Jesus is. Every false teaching, every cult, every 
false teacher has it wrong with Jesus. They don't understand who he is, and they distort him and misuse him. Your thought life, this is very important, church, your thought life is always translated into your practical life. You've got to guard your minds. You have your minds renewed by the washing of the water of the word. Have your, your minds transformed by God's word. Otherwise, if you're not diving in and allowing the word of God to change you, then your behavior is going to be horrible. You're going to believe a lie. Jot it down in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. It says this. Peter says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. You see, he says, take care of your mind, and then he leads you, hey, once your mind is in the right place, live a holy life. Live a life set apart for God. Our minds must be conformed into the image of Christ by the word of God. We must have the right theology, church, because that will lead to the right behavior. Let me give you some fancy words. If you were to go to seminary, they teach it to you this way. You have to have the right orthodoxy in order to have the right orthopraxy. Now, those are fancy words you can use in Bible trivia one day, but all they're saying is this, to have the right teaching and the right understanding of who God is will lead you to have the right practice. And it doesn't happen any other way. If you have the wrong beliefs, then it's going to lead to wrong behavior. So here to a group of struggling, wrestling believers ready to turn their back on Jesus, he says, you've got to deal with the heart issue of covetousness. Let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. You see, church, there is a joy in generosity, but there is anguish that comes from discontentment and covetousness. Covetousness is a popular sin, even though we don't mention it very much. As a matter of fact, we've hardly ever used that word at all. Word that's close to covetousness, but not the same, we may use more often, and we'll speak of jealousy. You know, when you're jealous of someone, you're jealous of what they have or perhaps who they are. And jealousy is a very common sin as well. Covetousness takes it one step further, where jealousy says, you know, I'm not happy that you have what you have. It makes me upset that you have what you have and I don't have it. Covetousness takes that feeling one step further and says, you know, I'm really unhappy that you have what I don't have, and I really want exactly what you have. And if you nurture that feeling, it will cause you to go after it specifically. Let me show you. Turn over to Exodus chapter 20. This is such an important sin to avoid, such an important sin to repent of, that God included it in the top 10, the 10 commandments. So notice with me in Exodus chapter 20, I'll jump down to verse 17. And look at the instruction to this new nation coming out of Egypt. After he says, don't murder, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Notice verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor. So let's get real here. If any of you have been coveting your neighbor's donkey right now, repent. No, of course. We apply it differently today, doesn't it? I guess you could say it this way. 
You, you don't covet what other people have. So much so that you would want it and do anything you need to do to get it. And I think specifically, I think of this coveting of your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's husband in a very real way leads people to wreck and ruin marriages. And it's not from the Lord. God has a will and a purpose for your life, and he has one for mine. Coveting is a form of discontentment. If you are in a place of coveting right now, then you are unhappy with what God has given you. You're mad at God. It's an issue between you and God. Now it happens between us, but the real issue is between you and God. You're mad at God because someone has something that you don't have that you think you deserve. And this kind of sin goes deep down and drives a person to extremely bad, hurtful, harmful behavior that literally destroys lives. The answer to covetousness, according to the Bible here in Hebrews, is contentment. Another word for contentment is satisfaction, that you would choose to be satisfied with what you have and where you are in life. I'm content. I trust God. He has me where he has me, and that's his will for my life, and I trust him. I trust him in the good times and in the challenging times. I trust him when I have a lot. I trust him when I have a little. Contentment is a gift that God gives to us in our heart. And here's a principle. If you're taking notes, you got to jot this down. This is a very important principle that will help you navigate through these challenging times and will just deal with the covetousness that's in your heart. Here's a principle. You ready? If you don't have it, there's a good reason why. If you don't have something that you desperately want, there is a good reason why you don't. Here's the scripture. Psalm 84 verse 11. Psalm 84 verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. And here's the key. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. If it's good and it's God's will for you, you will have it. It will come. But if it's not good for you and it's not God's will for you, then you will never have it. It will never be given to you in the will of God. And so if it's not, if you don't have something right now, there's a good reason why. And you can trust God while you wait. And notice what he says. He said he gives us two things to deal with when it comes to covetousness and contentment. He gives us two principles. He says, number one, in the end of verse five, why are we to be content? Because he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So number one, you have his presence. You have his presence. God for every born-again man, woman, and child, God literally lives inside of you. You are never alone. God is with you through the good and the bad, through the highs and the lows. He is with you. You have his presence. Never alone. And then secondly, you have his provision. It says there in verse 6, So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I won't fear. What can man do to me? God's going to take care of me. And he's going to be with me. And we have his presence and we have his love and we have his acceptance. Everything that we need is found in Christ. Now turn over to Luke chapter 12 because Jesus has something very important to say here. Go with me to Luke chapter 12 and pick up there in verse 13. I want you to see it in your own Bible because this needs to be marked. You can highlight it. You can circle it. You can write a star next to it. Whatever you need to do, remember the words of Jesus here. Now, when you're reading the words of Jesus, we place a great emphasis 
on the words of Jesus, the eternal son of God, as he speaks to us. But, but I don't want you to think like the red letters are more important than the black and white letters on the page because all of the scriptures inspired by God. But we do want to pay special attention to Messiah who gives us the new covenant. And notice what he says to us in Luke 12, pick up in verse 13. Then one from the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And that's stuff, right? Divide the stuff. We need the stuff. I want my share of the stuff. And Jesus responds, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And then he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Your life doesn't consist in what you have or what you don't have. We see so many today trying to get as much as they possibly can, as fast as they can. I haven't seen it very often, uh, but I, I, not lately, but years ago, there used to be a bumper sticker that said, he who dies with the most toys wins. That's not true. No, that's not true at all. The only thing that matters when you die is whether you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. That's going to determine your eternal destiny. Your decision you make today in this life determines your eternal life for all of eternity. And that's this is not to accomplish, not to, uh, to accumulate, but to trust. Jesus tells us two things. He says, take heed and beware. And when you hear those words, you want to pay attention. This is just the complete, what Jesus is teaching is just the absolute complete opposite of our culture. Our culture emphasizes and measures and, and associates by what you have and who you are. So it's really important where you work. And it's really important how much money you make. And it's really important what neighborhood you live in. And it's really important what car you drive. That's how this world measures things. This world measures things is how much do you have and how far have you gone and how much education do you have and what level are you and where you live and what neighbor, all of those things. It's really important to the world, but not important to God. What's important to God are the souls of men. What's important to God is you. He values you. So some of you may be well far in advance in all those categories today. And you know what? I want you to know God loves you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. Others of you, you, you may have absolutely nothing and I, you need to know this. God loves you. And he gave his son Jesus Christ to die for you. I just met a brother right after first service. He comes up and he says, Pastor, I want to meet you. I, I was listening to you day. I was listening to Grace FM day and night in the Larimer County Jail. And he just got out of jail. And he's just getting back on his feet. And you know what? He needs to know that God loves him. He sent his son Jesus Christ to die for him. See, life doesn't consist in the abundance of things that you have, even though the world's just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. You know, multi-billion dollar ways to push ads at you to make you feel like you don't have something that you really need to be satisfied. And you didn't even know you needed it until you saw the ad. <laughs> you didn't even know it existed until you saw it. And it's just the message after message after message after message that stirs up what? discontentment. And discontentment stirs up what? Jealousy. And jealousy almost always ends in covetousness. And covetousness will wreck your life, ruin your life, perhaps even lead you to waste your life on things that you can't possibly take with you. 
That's an important thing to understand. Not only will you not take things with you, but while you have them here, rust will ruin them. People will break in and steal them. That's what Jesus said. You'll worry about them. It'll be all on your mind. Jesus says, watch out for the way the world lives because possessions can be very dangerous things. Now, in and of themselves, they're not, that's not the issue. Possessions, that's not the issue. The issue is your heart towards them. Let me read to you what Paul wrote to young Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Listen. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed away from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That's some heavy truths. Watch out, Jesus says. And then Paul picks up and filled with the Holy Spirit and says, look, godliness with contentment is going to get you everything that you want. It's going to place you in the perfect position of being satisfied and trusting because you have his presence and you have his provision. Look, covetousness is a rampant sin in our society. You could describe it as the unquenchable thirst for getting more, for having more, for more of something that we think we need in order to be satisfied. It could be a thirst for money. It could be a thirst for power. It could be a thirst for position. But it's a thirst that can easily destroy a person. And it's a sin that's not so easily recognized because we have an ability to justify so many different things in our lives. Not only that, but it's a sin of the heart. So there could be many covetous people among us today, but we don't know because it's an inside job. It starts to corrupt you from the inside. When your eyes are wandering and you're struggling, you're wrestling, just like, you know, just like these Hebrew believers are tempted to stray away. Well, Paul puts, hits it on the head. He says, look, one of the reasons people stray away is they become covetous. They're not satisfied in the Lord. They always have to have more and will do anything for more. I mean, covetous was some, covetousness was something that Paul had in his life. He didn't even know it until he started reading the Bible. You can jot it down in Romans 7, 7. He says, it, I didn't even know about covetousness until the Lord said, you shall not covet. That's why, one of the reasons why I love the Word of God. I love God's Word. The, God's Word will tell me things about myself that I either don't currently know or I need to know. It's like a mirror, the Bible says. And I'll look at it and I'll go, oh, that's a mess. The Holy Spirit will use His Word and it'll reveal things to me that I didn't even know. I didn't even know I was wrestling with that. I didn't even know that was a big issue. I'm learning things. And yesterday, it just struck me as I was teaching, yesterday was my spiritual birthday. So as of yesterday, I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years. Can you imagine? 30 years. That's a long time. And, and you would think after 30 years that finally I've arrived. <laughs> Not true. I mean, there are days I'm just like, wow, Lord, I'm still dealing with that. 
wow, Lord, that's still an issue in my life. Oh, wow, Lord, man, I, you love me even in the midst of this. And so I need God's word because I still have a lot to learn. I still have a lot to grow. I still have things that God's chipping away. Like, like, listen, you need God's word. And the last moment you need God's word is when you wake up in his presence. Then you don't need his word anymore because you've got the word in his presence. You'll be waking up in his presence. But until then, the word of God is so important. You know, something you approach the word of God sometimes like, oh, I have to read it and maybe I will. And, you know, even some of you, I don't read the Bible because I don't understand it. it, it if you're a born-again believer, this is what you need to do. You need to read the Bible just obeying God. Don't try to read it like a textbook and you have to figure everything out and you're reading it like you're going to take a test. No, all of life is a test. So just read the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit work inside of you. Like read it for what it is. Like, like in my desk drawer in my office at home, I have cards over the years that Marie has given to me and my kids. Marie's given to me for my birthday, for Valentine's. And, and when I take that out, when I take and happen to open up and I see him and I take one out, I don't read the card like I'm going to pass a test. Like Marie's going to walk in and say, what did I write to you in 1998? I don't know, babe. I, I, let me go back. Let me study and figure out what you wrote me. No, when I take them out, it takes me to a time, to a moment in time, where Marie expressed her love and care and concern for me. And I read it like, wow, this is special. This is sweet. That's why I saved them. That's why I love, it's like, yeah, this is so good. I don't, and, and I read the Bible the same way. I'm not, I'm not. Now, I, I study to prepare a Bible study and such, but you know what's more important is I, I handle the text properly, but what's more important is that I'm open to the Holy Spirit to give you a word for this moment that will change your life. And so I'm not just studying it so I can be prepared here, when I read the Bible, I'm reading it from my own life. When I wake up this morning, early this morning, and I dive into the Word, and I, I, I start reading it as my morning devotions before I come to church, I want God to speak to me. I want Him to remind me of His love and His care and concern. And I, I say, the things that He reminds me the most of is His presence and His provision. I'm just so grateful that God has been faithful to me over the years. He's always been with me, never left me, never forsaken me. And he's always provided for every one of my needs. There hasn't been any time where God hasn't provided for us. Now that's the rub, isn't it? The rub is we think God's going to provide for all of our wants. And that's the pathway of covetousness. It's all my want. I want, I want, I want, I want. But what happened with, with Paul when he was writing the Bible says that what we need is food and clothing. And with that, godly character. If I have godly character and I find myself in a position of contentment, then the Bible says I have great gain. It's more important than my bank account, more important than my degree, more important than my place at work, is godliness and contentment puts me at a place of great gain. And as I read the word, there are things that I didn't even know about myself that God continues to reveal so that I, be, I might become both on the inside and through my actions more Christ-like. Material possessions are temporary even though we seem to be accumulating them at a rapid pace. You see around town as much as I do, because we've been looking for land for a long time. And there'll be parcels of land that we look at, and then we kind of set it aside for prayer, and when we come back, they build a storage place on it. There's a storage place there, and a storage place there, and a storage place there, on top of your garage, on top of your basement, on top of the trunk of your car. I mean, we got plenty of stuff. There's all kinds of stuff, but it's just temporary. We're not going to take anything with us into eternity. Not only is it temporary, but it's easily lost. 
It says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart follows what you treasure. Pastor Ed Taylor is developing his study of Hebrews right now on Abounding Grace. To hear it again, visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com, or you can hear Pastor Ed through our app. Simply search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play and download the free app today. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts. Maybe you've noticed the enemy is constantly trying to fill your mind with destructive thoughts. It could be fear, worry, insecurity, anxiety, or temptation. But you can win this battle of your mind, and author Louis Giglio explains how in his book, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. And we'll gladly send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or you can order it through our e-store at calvaryco.store. calvaryco.store. It's your generous gift that allows us to provide Bible teaching on stations like this one all across the country. It's not the size of your contribution that matters. Large or small, it's making a difference by God's abounding grace. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com or again, call 877-30-GRACE. Join us each day on Abounding Grace as we go and grow through a study in Hebrews with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.